0: You know, James, it's days like today that make me thankful that I get to join you on the airwaves of Channel Q and here on Drop the Subject because my wife's been in a very bad mood today, and she (laughs) is particularly (laughs) upset about something that is happening in our home that I don't necessarily have any control over. And you and I have talked several Uh times about how we are fix-it people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when someone presents you with a problem, you want to fix it. But I don't know, really, I cannot change the world. I cannot change the fact what? that bugs... Why not, b- I, Well, I, I, I have lesbian powers, but I don't have... <coughs> That kind of Captain Planet status yet. Uh Uh-huh. You you have
1: lesbian superpowers, yeah, but they're not they're not quite there yet. I'm just waiting
0: for a lesbian radioactive spider to bite me so that I can conquer the world. (laughs) Any day now. Any day. But actually the odds might be increasing because our home is overrun with bugs. And if you've listened to this show before, you've heard me explain to my wife over the phone the sightings of cockroaches in our apartment. It's only happened once, but she wanted to move Mm. as soon as I told her. She Mm -hmm. does not like insects in the house. And it seems this last week they are coming in droves. And it's it's not the... Standard. I mean, we have little baby ants that are coming in and getting at the cat food, so you have to move the cat food. And then my wife is vacuuming with her little dustbuster, going, "They're here, they're back." We have to send them a wor- <laughs> work order. Go do it. <laughs> and then she like removes all aspect of any kind of food for the cats, and then the cats are starving. And I'm like, we have to be able to feed. This. So it's Two. it's the whole thing. Right. Yes. But then now that it's getting hotter, we're noticing more mosquitoes. And then the mosquito eaters come inside, but we're very, we, we don't, we cannot figure out for the life of us how they are getting into this house. We, Katie has barricaded the house. None of the doors and windows are open there. I even walked into, I have a little voiceover set up in my closet. There was a Uh mosquito in the closet. I'm like, how did you get in here? So I don't Uh know how they're getting Uh in. But, and I'm trying, we're trying so hard to be nice. I will say my wife is also trying to be nice when we especially see a, a mystery bug where we're like, don't know what that is. Let's get a cup. Let's not smash it to smithereens. Let's not give it a future right. on the bottom of someone's shoe. Let's, let's give it a, a second part of its life, right? Let's take a cup, right. do the cup and the piece of mail routine, and you do the cup and slide, and then you slowly walk to the door, and you throw it over the balcony, and you just hope it lands and has a great uh, life. But right. but I'm uh, they're coming in at such a frequency that my patience is being tested, and I'm two seconds away from just getting raid and spraying the entire apartment from top to bottom <laughs> to not have Aww. to deal with, uh, th- I mean, seeing them. But also, it's not it's not it's like I see one. And I and I'm like, I see the bug. And I know Katie has not seen the bug yet. Right. Do I I would Like just a few more minutes of peace before (laughs) she sees the bug.
1: Before she says anything. Well, here's the the thing though.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, if you get
1: oh yay, Mandalorian. If you get the raid. So listen, there there are like a trillion trillion bugs or something in the world, right? Like there, it's just like crazy town. Although my latest National Geographic magazine, the cover is, you're going to miss them when they're gone. No. And it's just a, a cover full of bugs. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm not probably going to miss them when they're gone. But I understand they're part of the ecosystem or whatever. Fine. But I think at some point, you need to just go full raid. But the problem is, are you ready for the Catch-22? When you go full raid and spray the house down, you're going to have to open up the house.
0: Right. So then, so then that, the windows are right. going to
1: be open and then maybe they let more bugs in. Right. Unless you're like spraying the window sills, which I may or may not have done in like obsessive bug craziness. Cause I think I'm a little bit more like Katie in this instance. Okay. Like I'm like, Oh my God, bug, burn the house down. Like right. I can't. Well, um. well, she
0: mentioned moving again last night and I'm like, we have a lease. I can't leave nope, the house, can't. especially now. I mean, it's just like the worst place and time to move, but we had an interesting theory about why they're coming in the house. Cause usually it's like, okay, it's summertime and they want to, I don't know why they're just, I guess they're just out more in the summer, but she was like, my my wife was saying, I think it's because they are used to feasting on us when we're outside walking around in the world. And now that we're not outside, they're hungry. no, and, no. they're, <laughs> and they're <laughs> like, is, how do is, I fit myself through this screen and get into this lesbian's apartment so that I can bite them and eat a nice meal?
1: So I can go yum yum on them. So I think maybe the only bug that that might apply for is mosquitoes. However, I actually think you you probably don't want to know the theory, really, because it's probably going to kind of gross you out a little bit. I, I think... bugs Bugs are, just like most creatures, attracted to their food source. Most bugs, at some point in time, have a food source that is related to our food or our trash. So because there are so many more people in your apartment building all the time, they're always there... And people are leaving their food around, leaving their trash Mm. around. Like, people themselves are there all the time. There's more food being consumed and wasted and trashed in that one place. The bugs don't have to go searching all over for it. It's all concentrated in your apartment building. So your apartment building is full of bugs.
0: Oh, thank you so much, James. (laughs) I'm so glad (laughs) That my wife is not listening to this right now and that they're feasting off of our trash and that's why Uh they are feeding off of the environment that we're creating with our food scraps. That's really exciting. Well, Uh it's funny because... I just saw an article, Uh, I didn't click on it, because I didn't want to know why, but the headline read, where have all the insects gone? And I was like, I don't need to click on this, I know right where they are. They're in my damn apartment, okay? So, if you're wondering, (laughs) where are all the insects? Oh no, they're dying off. Well, you know what? I know, I hate to say that God has not, I I don't want to say God made mistakes, but mosquitoes, explain it, okay? Still waiting. Seriously. Drop the subject.
2: The new Channel Q.
0: Uh, let's drop the subject. Don't trap us in a cup, will you? We deserve to live. It's Allie and James. And tomorrow, many states are easing their restrictions when it comes to stay-at-home orders. People are going to start creeping back out into the world. And it's raising a lot of questions as to how we should start interacting with one another. People that you haven't seen in months And now you're going to be seeing again for the first time in a while, and there might be a little bit of awkwardness involved. I think it's worth talking about when it comes to, say, a friend that you have that... You know, you haven't seen in, you know, how long it's been, six or eight weeks. And, oh, my gosh, why don't we finally, like, I can finally leave my house. Why don't I drive over and I'll go visit you and we'll have a night of margaritas. It's going to be great. And then you're driving there and you, uh, you've you got somebody in the passenger seat looking through their Instagram and going, huh, seems like she just went to Cabo. Oh, hold on. Here's a picture of her at the beach. Hold on a second. Uh-oh. Here's a tweet about her meeting up with someone on Tinder. And you start going, huh, what Uh-oh. What are we getting ourselves into? And I think it, it becomes awkward, right, when there's somebody that you've known for a long period of time already, but you've never run into this situation. How do you go about telling somebody that they're grody?
1: <laughs> you, you are grody. So, I, you know what? I tend to be a person who's pretty forward. I'm always kind of nice about it. but So my natural druthers, and maybe this is the nurse practitioner in me or something, my natural druthers are just to be like, listen, boo-boo, I know you were in Cabo. I know you hooked up with old girl last week on Tinder. I know X, (laughs) Y, and Z, like da-da-da-da. When was your last test? Are you wearing a mask? Like, I'm bringing hand sanitizer. Like, just full disclosure, let's just get it out there because- I think at this point in time, like this is not something that we can like fool around with. And it's really important to understand your tolerance for exposure as compared to the people that you're going to hang, hang around with. Like there, I think there are a lot of people who are following physical distancing rules and they're wearing masks and they're doing all those things. But like, once we let like let people out, I think it's over. They're done. They're just like going out. They're just going to do whatever. Like we're back to normal. And, you know, we have some friends who very, very much want to come over and we want to see them and we hang out with them a lot. But they have very ill elderly parents and they are part time caretakers of those parents. And so we have literally been like, these are the last people that we're going to be able to see just because.
0: But then, do you? I know about you, their ha- you so have. You have an advantage I think it's a really you,
1: interesting sort of thing. Like, what are the new social uh-huh. norms going to be when it's like you come over and everyone gets a disposable mask at the door, and like oh. every you know, here's your personalized hand sanitizer. Like, here's your little taped, cordoned off six feet area for you to stand in. Like, is this how we're going to be living our lives?
0: But but you have an advantage because you're you're a nurse practitioner. You've already set up that thing of like, hey, I'm the safety guy. I'm the guy who knows about medical stuff. What about, like, how do... If I had friends like that who had some elderly sick parents, how am I like, you have elderly sick parents and I don't want you to come over? <laughs> or when you see those people and they reach out for a hug, are you just supposed to be like, hey, and just like back up and and be like, look at, oh my gosh, it's a mosquito. Uh, hold on, I got to go. Like, right. I have right. not set up that precedent of being like the medical person or the person who is just super lay it all out, real honest. I don't uh, know. I, I just feel like there's going to be this awkward. Like, for example, how do I tell somebody I want them to wear a mask when I when we go out or or like, I mean, there are friends that I have that I've that've literally been all over the place. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, and I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want to shame them. And I don't want to make them feel like they're all gross and I, dirty. But I'm not, for I'm not going
1: necessarily out. sure that it's. Shaming, Although I do find it really interesting that there's the sort of this wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is turning into this like sort of political statement. Right. Like we're we're actually making judgments about who people are based on whether or not they're wearing masks um, or whether or not they're they're adhering to social distancing because this thing has been so politicized. Um, And I think that's sort of where that fear comes from. Like if you just keep going through the levels, you're like, okay, well, my friend's not wearing a mask. I really want to ask them, but are they going to be like, no, I'm not wearing a mask because this whole thing is a hoax. And then I'm going to have to evaluate, like, how do I feel about this person? And then should we actually be friends? Because I don't think it's a hoax. You know what I mean? Like it just you go through those layers. But unfortunately, I feel like the virus is going to force us to do that anyway.
0: True. But then you also kind of put it like, I don't know about you, but I worry for my own self if I'm being too paranoid. I'm like, you could turn it on then and be like, oh, you know, maybe they think it's a hoax or maybe they just don't care. But I'm like, do they think that I'm just super paranoid about catching anything like I'm being over the top? But it's also I'm in a rare situation where I am talking about this and reading about it all the time.
3: Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so so yeah. there We're, are some
0: people that are in my friend circle that probably don't read about it every single day and they are not really quite sure what's going on. And they're like, oh, more cars are out. So maybe I'll just go out. You know, so
1: now, now I'm good to go. Yeah. You yeah. know, you bring up you bring up the whole gaslighting, too, by the way. I, I am. Full, fully, fully believe that in several months from now, a full on coordinated gaslighting PR effort will be underway. Like, oh, you guys were just crazy. Yes. This wasn't really that serious. Like, you're overreacting, blah, 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 because our tolerance for people dying for this will be higher. Like we're just going to be more comfortable with it and it's just going to sort of turn into a flu thing. And that's a whole other conversation.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, that I'm sure we'll have at some point. Well, we when we come back... As if things couldn't get worse, Donald Trump is trying to make plans to mine on the moon. What is happening? Yes. <laughs> yes. Space. A, a space, space story. Space, but also creating a... I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it next. Drop the subject.
2: The new Channel Q.
0: Well, when the President of the United States is not making an ass of himself during a press conference, he is making an ass of himself in other ways. Don't worry. He always finds a way, and we always find a way to talk about it. This is Drop the Subject, and this is... Trump around. said <laughs> drop, drop the president. <laughs> this is
1: drop the, the president around the Trump yeah. Which
0: we probably will get to later. Got but it. there are a couple of things that are not COVID related that Trump has been uh, pressing for. And I think they are worth talking about. First off... He is trying to uh, paint the wall black. And he sees a Trump wall and he wants to paint it black. I believe the Rolling Stones did not use those exact words. But
1: but they got pretty close.
0: And they got pretty close. (laughs) And he is trying... This would cost $500 million, just to give an overview of what your tax dollars are going towards. Mm -hmm. This is convenient timing because... If we think about when he ran in 2016, he was running on the wall. It was the wall, the wall, the wall. Yep. So it kind of makes sense that now he would want to reinforce the wall and make it this big, brooding, gothic, like scary black wall and before only, he starts, well, you know, before he starts
1: to make it at his thought. He's thinking that it will deter uh, illegal crossings more. Because the wall's black. Like that that's that's his sole now, where does that for doing theory this. from? even military and border it's officials like, oh, who agree on. with Trump politically and ideologically, was, like our black? fans of him. That's turn around. Are saying, well, we should not do this because of the initial cost. And then the upkeep, by the way. Think about like how many times you would have to repaint this wall and keep repainting it over and over again, and for the thousands of miles of length of the length of that wall. Uh, which This thing has already become a project that is one of the most costly infrastructure projects in modern American history at probably about $15 billion that have just been secured for the project so far. So far, not probably that. And that is without completion of this wall, without consistent, continual repairs, and without in this you know, instance having to then keep repainting it black. And I, I don't.
0: Yeah. Because once you paint something black, you have to keep painting it black over and over again yeah. because it fades. Okay. I mean, if there's anything I learned in high school when I was obsessed with painting my notebooks, black and my backpack <laughs> and everything else,
1: Your it's not an easy task. Notebook.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. duct taping everything. I mean, that's work. It, Let's move on. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, I just I just think it's ridiculous. And also, why are we talking about spending five hundred million dollars on anything right now in the middle of a pandemic? When on March, when 6, we already way, spent said, two
0: trillion dollars.
1: Uh huh. Right. I'm, I'm still waiting. It's been technically two months now since you told me that everyone in America who could get a test, want, who wants a test could get one. And that's still not the case. So why don't you spend the five hundred million dollars there? I digress. I'm sorry. I'll stop.
0: No, that's good. Let's talk about mining on the moon. because story that 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 maybe that cost will even out right in his mind if i spend 500 million dollars painting the wall black i can just mine on the moon and make more money that way i don't understand what this obsession is with trying to conquer not just the world but also outer space it's like <laughs> uh, how big are our, our egos are not even big enough for the solar Like they're too big for the solar system is what right. I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. He has been drafting a pact for mining on the moon. He's drafting, drafting a legal blueprint for mining on the moon under a new U S sponsored international agreement called the Artemis records. <laughs> the agreement- Artemis
1: accords, Artemis accords are like, because this, there's this plan, this project to, Called the Artemis Project by NASA, which is the long story short, it's NASA's attempt to go get like semi permanent settlements on the moon. So that can be a launching point from the moon to get to Mars, is sort of NASA's biggest impetus for doing this. And so then Trump's kind of dovetailing on top of that, and he's like, oh, well, we're going to call these uh, Artemis Accords, and we're going to set up uh, agreements with like minded nations. Oh, I see. What, so we're politicizing
0: the moon. Can we not? Can we just have the one thing? Like Earth is done with us already. I don't think Moon is going to be as forgiving. I think if we start messing with Moon, Moon's going to be like, "Get the f out! Get get out!" Bah! And there's just going to like throw it. Like there, there's just going to be some reaction, and every it's just going to be over, done with. And as we've learned last year, Trump thinks that. The moon is part of Mars. He tweeted uh, about that last summer. So I don't know what kind of conspiracy theory videos or what kind of science channel he's watching. I don't think he's watching the same ones that all of us are watching, but I don't know how to react in Goddess Moon Circle, which is tonight, if <laughs> which I'm I'm, you know, we're talking about the moon and its phases and if we're talking about people messing with the moon and mining on the moon, I uh, don't know how I'm supposed to spiritually cleanse myself when that's going on above me.
1: I mean you you are really onto something. Although I, I just thought of this too, Allie. If so Donald Trump has you know famously said last summer that the moon is part of Mars. So that if he can get to the moon again and set up the first semi-permanent uh, mining or or, or semi permanent settlement on the moon, that then means that he got to Mars
0: exactly so that he can that's why that. he's doing it yes yeah
1: so he just he wants to say he, telling he did it everyone yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's that's brilliant Mars.
0: Yeah. yeah thank you right. so much the Mar- Mars is for Matt Damon everyone knows that we'll be right back
2: <laughs> drop the subject the new channel Q
0: drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons nurse practitioner have to update you on uh how, where we are at with the quarantine scavenger hunt we launched the quarantine scavenger hunt I would say about three or four weeks ago
1: Mm -hmm. maybe maybe a full month now i think
0: it was april 1st oh thank you jesse just chiming in with some really important like actual useful information i appreciate that
1: that is fantastic that he's he puts the p in producer (laughs) just just a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) why don't you give yourself some claps give yourself some applause here jesse there you go there you go good
1: job oh he gave okay (laughs)
0: Thumbs up. Brought that man beer yesterday. All right. right. Here's here's where we're at. Now, we originally said that we would do this until we got back into studio. I didn't think that the entire state would be reopening (laughs) before we got into studio. So that's going to kick all of us up a notch because you get points for things like spotting toilet paper in a store, seeing a group of six or more. Uh, you know, getting fully dressed and all of that stuff. We're going to be doing a lot more often before we even get back into the radio studio. So this is really about to take a turn. And I think this is a good chance for me to catch up
1: because I, I, you're not going anywhere. An extra chance. Yes. For you to catch up. So not only is the world going to go back to some sort of normalcy, but then also I'm doing the complete opposite. I normally am a uh, probably five or six day, a day a week worker outer and i don't think i've worked out in that well i went for a run on saturday but i have since then not worked out so and once in a week so i'm not getting any of those points okay Uh, yeah because
0: because at home workout should get you one point per day but i think we bumped it up to two and i've been i've Mm -hmm. been good about it i've done probably five workouts in the last week so that's 10 bonus points for me plus i only went two days drinking. And I get a every day day. go without drinking at a get a point. So that's an extra five points there. Uh, I've good. attended many non work virtual events. I'm signing up for those left and right because I know <laughs> I'm going to get points for those.
1: <laughs> I, I I wave at them. So the other night, you know, we had one because Chris has been doing a lot too. while I've been, you know, in 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 my own extra level of quarantine dissertation, quarantine, I stop and sit at them for like five minutes and say hello to our friends. And then I go back and write. Does that count?
0: You know, for you no, for me yes. <laughs> Since I, you're asking me, the because, double
1: standard does exist.
0: Well, I, I, let's see. Uh, maybe there's a time that we can a time stamp we can put on. Right. it. If you're like, there for 15 minutes or more, then sure. That maybe that's how appointments work. You know, that's like when you're getting a massage, you can change or cancel within 15 minutes or a doctor's office, you know, that kind of thing. If it lasts more than 15 minutes, it seems like you're in it. So why don't we do that?
1: Very very good. I I can go down with that one. Today is, I believe, the first time I've gotten fully dressed in at least a week.
0: I have been going out of the house a little bit more. I've been seeing groups of six or more often. So that's one point per person. But I will say... And I will admit here on the airwaves of channel Q, I am getting minus a few points because uh-huh. I touched a person other than my quarantine partner. <gasps>
1: was this friend date the other day?
0: It was friend date and oh. I didn't know what to do. It was like, a, it was a, Hey, it wasn't a handshake. It was a very, very distancy hug where my face was way over Uh And her face was way Uh over. Uh It was probably the Uh safest type of hug. It was a very quick one.
1: This is like a minus three hundred and forty seven points, I think. No, a hug. Are you a hug? Are you
0: kidding me? I know. I know. I'm sorry. I will take I will take double the minus points. And it was a situation where I wasn't strong because my wife did it and then I I it was like even doubly awkward if I did not do it.
1: You just, you have to own it. Go with the, go with the elbow, go with the douche elbow. She was like, oh, come
0: on. And then I was like,
1: no, (laughs) the virus doesn't say, oh, come on.
0: Oh, come on. I'm not going to
1: infect you. No, it's Thursday. Come on. We're good. No, you don't. Uh, just throw the elbow up. Just do okay. it before there's even a discussion. Just, <laughs> just throw up the elbow. Just boom. <laughs>
0: elbow her in the face and run away. Just
1: elbow. Just throw the elbow up. Look the other direction. You're good.
0: <laughs> Can I have a hug? And then just run away. <laughs> you know what we have to do though is we have to have these conversations beforehand. Of are yes. we going to hug? No, we're not. Here's why. And have uh-huh. discussions because it happened in the moment and it was a split reaction. And then you know later on, it's like taking that round of shots. Then the next day you're like, why did I do that? Oh, why, why didn't did I, I think about that? it beforehand? So- Totally. Uh, so that is my that is my one minus points. But uh, you know, other than that, it seems like I'm doing pretty good. I'm washing my hands after every outing, so I'm not getting minus points. That would be minus five points if I did that. Seeing people wearing face masks in their car, that's six points. And I've seen several of those. So I think I'm creeping up on 200 points total here. Nope. I don't know I think, where you're um,
1: at. I think, well, I mean, it, honestly, it doesn't matter because I was leading you by like 4,000 points going up <laughs> until last Thursday anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah that's uh, either even though I have scored probably negative 10 points this week, I'm still leading a quarantine scavenger hunt. You're uh, still great. Well, and awesome. I pretty much own everything. Uh, <laughs> just dropped the subject. We'll be right back. Drop the
2: subject. Subject, the new Channel
1: Q. Drop the subject on the new Channel Q. James Simmons continuing to guest co-host with your Allie Johnson. It is Thursday and I have been super mega ultra so excited for today because um, Allie Johnson and Channel Q have given me an opportunity to sort of talk about a little thing that I'm doing, although it's not a little, it's
0: thing. not a little thing. It's a very no, big thing. And it's, it's, a, a, it's a really important thing. thing to talk about, especially here on Channel Q.
1: I mean, hello. So I, I got to back it up a little bit. I am on the advisory board of an organization called APAIT. This organization serves Southern California. So not just Los Angeles, but also Orange County. And I I, I think the mission statement kind of sums it up. I'm going to read it to you. To positively impact the quality of life for medically underserved communities living with or at risk, for HIV AIDS and other health disparities through culturally competent and linguistically appropriate programs in Southern California. How about that?
0: Well, and this goes beyond Southern California and it seems like kind of an advantage to doing some of these virtual events, which we're about to talk about is the fact that anybody can partake in this and see what you guys are doing, what you guys are up to.
1: It's amazing. And so we have, but I couldn't do the, all of talking about it all by myself so we had to bring on Jake Weinrob, who works for APAIT. Hello, Jake. Hi, how's it going? It is going very well. Okay. So
0: wait, can I just mention that you have a Titanic poster behind you and that makes me very happy.
4: I do. I got that in 1998 and
1: it's on my wall.
4: <laughs> that,
0: that story checks out. Yeah. <laughs> that tracks.
1: Kept it for forever. Um, <laughs> that's great. good though. I, you know, you should preserve that thing, Jake. And like, it, it's going to be worth like a lot of money. I would like go yeah, hide it somewhere. I'm sure it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So APAIT not only does kind of what I described before, so like health services, but also a really intense focus on mental health and mental wellness for the LGBTQ community. So we have I don't want to steal your thunder, Jake, but we have this like new thing kicking off, and I totally want you to talk about what kicks off for APAIT starting tonight.
4: Yeah, so we um, wanted to promote the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And uh, we initially had the idea of doing a mental health panel at our offices, but uh, Miss Rona had other plans for us. (laughs) Um, But luckily, we are able to do this digitally. And it's a panel with some local opinion leaders, LGBT-identified folks talking about their mental health journey, their process seeking therapy and the kinds of things that have come up for them in therapy as LGBT people. So we have Laverne Cox. Uh, we have uh, actress-comedian Margaret Cho. And we have Mitchell Farrell, who is an openly gay council member for our 13th district in Los Angeles. Yeah, we also have our clinician Valerie Spencer from our OC location participating and talking about her mental health process with clients and how she incorporates spirituality into that.
0: That's amazing. So this is taking place at 5pm tonight and anybody can kind of watch these Q&A's with, like you said, Laverne Cox, Margaret Cho, all these people are going to be speaking openly about this and and how can people access this and, and watch and participate?
4: Sure, we have a registration page at tinyurl.com APAITmentalHealth we wanted to keep it pretty secure. So we're going to be sending out a password for the webinar. But afterwards, we're going to make it available on uh, our, YouTube, our YouTube. Yeah, it's
0: good. You don't want people Zoom bombing something like this. No. Yeah, I've been
1: hearing about that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> okay. We don't want that Zoom bombing. Yeah. And you know what I think is really uh, amazing about this is that we have these celebrities who are taking an opportunity to sort of lend their voice in the middle of pandemia, as I've been calling it, to What is really important, the very unique needs of, you know, the very unique mental health needs and wellness needs of the LGBTQ community. Because, you know, we talk about these things about being like, we're all in this together Mm -hmm. and you're not alone. That represents very differently for different people. And class has a lot to do with it. Income has a lot to do with it. Access to healthcare, access to mental wellness has a lot to do it. Your, Your status as a queer person has a lot to do with that, particularly in our our trans community, which APAIT does a lot of work with the local trans community, uh, individuals who are experiencing homelessness um, of any ilk, really. We do housing, we do all of this, you know, amazing services that this organization provides are sort of wrapped in a, a shell of understanding mental health and wellness. And so, I just I am floored that the organization asked me to to facilitate this conversation and that Jake has worked so hard to really put this together and have Laverne and Margaret and Councilman O'Farrell and, and Valerie Spencer, like all these individuals. Yeah. It's quite a lineup. Isn't that something,
0: Allie? Without uh, so much variety too. I mean, it's so <laughs> great to have, yeah. I mean, somebody like you and then somebody like the Vernon, Mar- like it's, it's so many, there's so much, Variety in all the different voices that you're going to be hearing from d- during this event. And then, you know, I mean, just mentioning things like spirituality, I'm like, what? So it's nice that there's going to be so many different voices heard all in one place. It's that sounds really exciting. I can't wait.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to say that, you know, we have clients coming in from all walks of life, like James was saying, with all different histories of trauma. And um, I think that sometimes people think of trauma as something that happened that was a big deal, like an event like a car crash or a natural disaster. But actually growing up as an LGBT person can be considered a trauma growing up in a world that isn't Mm -hmm. mirroring you, accepting you, that's policing your movement, your behavior, how you move through the world. And that can really have an effect and really kind of impact our relationships as adults. So these are some of the things that our clients talk about in therapy with us and, you know, inform
1: their experience navigating their lives.
0: Very well said. I mean, yeah. Jay, can you uh,
1: just a little bit talk about how this is the kickoff of a a campaign and sort of like the roots of that? And then what do we have sort of to look forward to?
4: Yeah, our campaign is called My Wellness Journey Starts With Me. It's really about kind of taking those first steps towards mental health, towards reaching out. Right now, it's looking like uh, more panels, like the one that we're trying tonight. Uh, We have one coming up later on in the month on May 21st related to queer men of color and mental health issues, as well as one on May 28th related to living with HIV, coping with COVID-19 and, you know, potentially this time bringing up that remembered trauma or that, you know, historical trauma within our communities.
0: Jake Weinrob, it's been a pleasure having you and James, good luck tonight. Have a blast. And uh, and again, when how can people tune in? It's tiny you and RL. Give it to us one more, one more time
4: tinyurl.com slash A-P-A-I-T mental health.
0: Jake, thank you. James, thank you for bringing Jake on with us and uh, a great resource. People doing some amazing things Uh, and maybe more amazing things are coming up next. Not really sure. The jury's head on that. Drop the subject returns after this.
1: Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject on the new channel Q. Very excited about the event tonight. I'm so glad that Jake was able to take a moment uh, out of uh, his day. Jake is like very busy today getting ready for that. But I'm really excited. Margaret Cho Lever. Cox, Councilman Mitchell Farrell, and Valerie Spencer. Like, this thing is going to be super fun, and I am i really am kind of humbled and honored to be able to moderate this discussion. This is such an important discussion, and uh, I think they're capping this at 500 people on the Zoom.
0: Oh, they're doing a cap?
1: I think that Well, I think they have to do a cap. So
0: yeah, they do like a standing room only, but it's like no video.
1: <laughs> right. You just get to hear you the can just audio. Kind of peer in. Right. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. You can't put. You have to put yourself on mute and do no video, and you can just kind of be there.
1: And you can just right, like just uh, fly on the wall, observe. Um, well, listen. If you're not one of the people who can get in. I know we're going to repost this as a, as a video that you can watch later, um, and hopefully it all goes well. But if you are still interested, I think there's still some room to sign up for for folks. So uh, tinyurl.com slash A-P-A-I-T mental health, all one word. Um,
0: and yeah. we'll put at that information. We'll tweet it out so that you can join tonight. I'm excited. I, I, I can't believe though, that you're hoarding all the celebrities for yourself. James.
1: <laughs> I know. How about that? I was like, oh, I'm not going to bring them on the show, but guess what? Just doing this whole thing. No, well,
0: I, they're busy people. No, it's going to be a great conversation. I'm really happy you're doing that. You're going to be amazing. And I highly recommend anyone check it out tonight. If they are free, which I mean, let's be honest, you're probably free. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. So you're very, you Tune are in at very 5 and 5 PM.
1: Lots of lots of I, I can take literally zero credit for for this. Like this is really all the team, the staff, the volunteers, everyone at APAIT, Jasmine and Jake and Jury. Oh, they're all J names. Uh, <laughs> working really hard to put all this Great. together. Seems
0: to be the trend in my life. <laughs> right,
1: that's right, Jason. Past and two Justin's. years has
0: been only J names.
1: <laughs> that's really funny. That's it's a thing, Allie.
0: It is. It's apparently a thing. Someone's trying to tell me something. But I wanna ask you something sure. for Ask the NP because there is a New York Times article about a llama named Winter. She's four years old. She has lashes for days. And they say that she's going to save the world and, and how and it's it's a article about llamas possibly becoming coronavirus heroes. My question for you at Ask the NP is, are llamas going to save the world?
1: <laughs> I think just the the clear, simple answer to that is, yeah, of course they are, because it's so cute. Yeah,
0: man. Oh, and their jaws are so sideways-y. <laughs>
1: they're all so weird. And uh, when we went for our drive last weekend, we drove past a llama farm, I guess.
0: Yeah. Oh, llama. You got to stop and look. Uh, you got to. They
1: were great. I just, you know, when you drive by, I was like, crikey, their necks are so <laughs> long.
0: <laughs> right. Like, how does this even And happen? I feel like they don't know how to deal with them most of the time. They're just like, <laughs> eh. Like, it's <laughs> veering over in different directions. And they're just like, why is my neck so long? Uh, and you're like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still going to save the day, the coronavirus day. Okay, so look, here's here's the bottom line on this. So you know that coronavirus, COVID-19 is a member of a family... Of viruses called coronaviruses,
0: worst family ever. Right,
1: we <laughs> you do not want to be friends with these guys. The other family members that were more famous before COVID nineteen were SARS and MERS. Uh-huh. Remember those two? MERS Middle I East do. Respiratory Syndrome. I do yep. remember those. And SARS yep. Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. So same thing, causing pneumonia. This whole thing, but those pandemics. Well, they didn't even really get to pandemic level. They, they were much smaller. They f- sort of fizzled out. Well, there were some researchers in Belgium who were testing llama antibodies against SARS and MERS in preparation for something like this, for the next big viral pandemic, because we've kind of always known, contrary to Donald Trump's popular belief, that this was coming. So what they found was llamas have two different sets of antibodies just like humans, but their second set is really, really, really tiny. Small enough to have an impact on viruses which are incredibly tiny. One of the reasons why human antibodies, even if they're effective, are not always super effective against viruses is because our antibodies are too big and they quite literally just can't get into the tiny itty bitty nooks and crevices to go kill the viruses. Well, llama. Antibodies, one set of llama antibodies are teeny tiny. They're itty bitty. They're so small that they can get into those nooks and crannies to go kill the viruses in a Petri dish, in a laboratory environment is what I have to stress here. So these researchers who were already working on this for SARS and MERS were like, let's go work on her cousin COVID-19. And lo and behold, it looks like the llama antibodies are also small enough to go attack and neutralize COVID-19 as well in a Petri dish in a laboratory.
0: And you don't have to harm a llama to find this out, right? No. They're just like just a little blood. getting, well, I mean, just okay. They, they,
1: they, they get the disease. So this is animal experimentation. So they have given SARS or MERS or COVID-19 to the llama. The llama recovers and does just fine. And then they draw her blood. And then they're like, oh, oh let's after the, the antibodies, antibodies are built up.
0: OK, mm-hmm. well, you know, the good news is that llamas are not only good for viral videos, but they're also antiviral. So Hey-o. they are uh, both all in one. And that's oh, what makes so wonderful. What? That was
1: what? that was a Isn't groaner. So Allie, Allie will uh, be here all week, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Drop
2: the subject. The new channel cue.
4: Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It.
0: News It or Lose It time has just begun on Drop the Subject. You are in luck. You will get possibly three headlines, possibly two or one or zero. Oh. Depending on James's mood.
1: Zero. I want nothing. We're not going to talk about anything. Thanks. That's it. Go to music
0: man i would <laughs> you get another song that's what we have we've done no news and all music uh okay here are your three headlines i know you will news at least one of these Ooh. washington state i know everyone's talking about murder hornets right now but uh-huh. move over murder hornets it's gypsy moth time okay oh okay yeah. There's some Trolls 2 world tour drama. Oh,
1: totally. You know you knew I was gonna say yes to that one.
0: And then finally, Tiger King fans are crowding Joe Exotic's zoo reopening.
1: No, whatever. Yeah
0: It's like That's fine. Can you did you watch it?
1: Right. Like if you watch this, so we're going to support this man who is like horribly like kind of like abusive relationship, controlling relationships and meth abuse and just blatant racism and maybe like all this other stuff. Like what? Come on. No.
0: Right. And it's not like all of that is like just because the guy's in jail doesn't mean that these zoos are suddenly 100% animal-friendly, wonderful places for tigers now. Right. So right. why do... Okay, anyway. Everyone
1: just right, wants to you see th- the S show. That's all, really.
0: Exactly. So we're going to lose that. So enough about that. Let's go into the Trolls 2 drama. You are a big fan of the movie. You came out of the movie closet and said that you watched Trolls 2 World Tour and actually really enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. that it was very deep. Mm-hmm. But there is some drama now unfolding because... You know, it went on demand. It was supposed to have more of a theatrical release, but they changed it over. They went on demand. And now Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick are not happy about it because they feel entitled to money. They, yes, they were not aware that this switch was going to happen. They were not informed about the change in release plans until it was made public. And now they want to be compensated for box office benchmarks that they could have hit with a more conventional debut. Neither of the stars have spoken publicly about their feelings, but The Hollywood Reporter has discussed the position in a write-up about Trolls World Tour, and it is claiming that Timberlake and Kendrick and others were not told that the movie went to streaming before it publicly was announced. And their representatives are allegedly now asking for bonus compensation, thought to be in the millions.
1: Well, yeah, well, so this is part of how these people's contracts are set up. So a lot of times these these huge stars in these movies get so they get a certain amount of money you know up front or whatever but then going forward they're like all right if this does x amount of views in its first weekend or you know whatever or x amount of dollars in its first weekend you get a certain percentage cut of this x y and z well if there's no i think this is fascinating because if there's no theatrical release Then they're not getting this extra money. It's sort of like a like when sports players have a a big chunk of their money tied to how well they do if they get to the playoffs, how well they do in the playoffs, how many points they average a season, that sort of thing. So that's kind of interesting.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm sure that this is going to change in future years as far as as more and more things go on demand sooner. Like the the sky Rise of Skywalker. I'm sure that had an amazing debut in the box office. But now it's been made on demand much earlier than usual. And I would imagine that, yeah, actors are going to have their contracts are going to change accordingly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to another giant bug to list. On the nightmare, Uh, just on. We have an ongoing nightmare list here on Drop the Subject, and then we can add gypsy moths to it. There is another threat happening, and this is specific to Washington State, and this is where the original report of the murder hornets came from as well. It was Washington State, so of course, it's just a matter of time before they fly downwind to or you know to to, to Oregon California. and California you know, and across not, the US.
1: Washington's not having a good year. They were also the first documented case of yeah. COVID-19, like
0: yeah, it's a poor Washington state. So, it's such a threat that Washington state governor Jay Inslee issued an emergency proclamation because the creatures uh, because of the creatures saying that they were in imminent danger of an infestation of the plant pests in part of Sonomish County. The imminent danger of infestation seriously endangers the agriculture and horticulture industries of the state of Washington. These little moths are... I guess they're defo- defoliating the trees and Whoa. this defoliation can severely weaken the trees and the shrubs, making them more susceptible to disease, which can lead to a big problem. Deaths of large sections of forest, orchards and landscaping just because of these agent gypsy, gypsy moths. Good Lord. I mean,
1: that's crazy. Like, can they have enough? They've had enough. And not that we need to spread this around or anything, but I also think that these things tend to happen Fairly often, and we don't really hear about them. I think now we're I, we're almost being gluttons for punishment a little bit. You know, everyone's like, <laughs> right. "Oh, can we have 2019 back?" And you know, like I saw a meme earlier today that I thought was hysterical. It was like, "World overrun uh, with bear bears with chainsaw hands." High alert. Bears with chainsaw hands are now invading a city near you. Like, what you know, like it was just like another sensationalized headline of something right. like the world is ending. So maybe the moths will just be all right and they'll just go away. Right.
0: Yeah, maybe it's yeah. a good silver lining. Or, I mean, as you think about both of these, the, the murder hornets and the gypsy moths came from Asia, somewhere in Asia. So I don't know how both of these got here at the same time, but someone mispacked their suitcase. Yeah,
2: big time. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
0: Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I'm Allie Johnson. And of course, James Simmons is co-hosting with me. And we are joined by Janet Holtzblatt, who is a senior fellow at the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. She has over three decades of experience in tax policy issues. I mean, the federal government, you are in D.C. right now. And we were just complimenting you on the perfect Zoom background that you have. You have that quintessential library background where people can gander at your inventory. It's very impressive.
3: Um, I worked hard to do that. I alphabetized the books this morning, so <laughs> particularly in order here. And then let's not forget the lovely picture of my grandparents a few years after they arrived in the United States from Eastern Europe. Very impressive. I mean, and the black turtleneck. Yeah. And I put makeup on too for the show.
0: Oh, I can't say the same, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I put my makeup on though.
0: Yeah, yeah, James has funny makeup Oh my God, it looks
1: lovely. (laughs) It (laughs) looks (laughs) good. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know, Janet Holtzblatt, okay, come on, I gotta be honest here. When I think senior fellow at the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center, I don't also think comedian, by the way, but you have been cracking us up
3: (laughs) since we got on. You know, when I was in grad school, when I thought about quitting, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And then after a while, I thought, well, maybe I'll just go to the streets directly and sell pencils. Um, but I had to take an improv... That was interesting. So yeah, no, people are very excited. That this is my debut in comedy. I, I agree. There are some topics today that I am going to have to restrain myself.
0: Well, I mean, there are a lot of questions that people have when it comes to taxes right now. And you have spoken about this, about the CARES Act, the tax policy, you know, how tax policies are changing while we're in the middle of a pandemic. And a lot of questions that people have about their stimulus payments and all kinds of stuff. I guess you have to have a little bit of a sense of humor when you're covering topics like this. I'm not talking about directly and related to the topics, but just I when I think of taxes, I think of the most dry like policy and reading and fine print. And I'm always amazed that anybody who has any idea about how it all works,
3: you know, it was just this morning, I was reading the latest guidance from the IRS on these stimulus payments. And I've been laughing ever since. So <laughs> I highly recommend going to the IRS website, frequently asked questions, look daily because each day something new is added, and you too can laugh in the middle of all. The-
1: well, I think I think while this is it's very funny, there are I mean there are some people who are not laughing as much because they haven't still gotten their checks. Apparently, I I saw a number of eighty million, but I'm not sure if that's completely correct or correct now today. Um, but what is sort of your understanding at least of? Of where we are, and that there are still some people who haven't even gotten the first round of their stimulus checks yet.
3: No, and it is very serious, and people are really hurting. But I'm going to say something that will surprise people at first, which is congratulations to the hardworking employees at the IRS, because the fact that they've gotten this much money out the door this rapidly is unprecedented. They've done in a few weeks what historically has taken a few months to do. So, yay, IRS. And now maybe I won't get audited this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was
3: self-serving. I could say, I say. I mean, yay, that, yay to the IRS
1: too. I agree.
3: James <laughs> Q. Simmons, Social Security. No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't do that. Because that's one way you could possibly get scammed this year. That said... The big surprise to me was that they were able to get this out. What's not surprising to me has been that there have been glitches. And some of them may appear to be glitches, but they are legitimate. Now, there are a variety of reasons they're legitimate as to why people may not have received their money yet. One is that if they did not give the IRS information in the past about where to deposit their money, then they'll have to wait to get a check unless they go onto the website now and give the IRS that information. But checks won't begin until sometime in May. And even then, given all the cutbacks the government's had in their budget for years, the Treasury Department can only issue 5 million checks a week. So if you're in that category of where you're going to get the money as a check, it well, it's not beginning until this month. And it could take up to five months before you see that money. Yes, your eyebrows just went up. <laughs>
1: I mean, 5 million checks a week is not very many when you consider, so we have 329 million people in the United States roughly. And so if there's 60% of those are adults or 70% of those are adults, so we're really dealing with 250 million people. And let's say half of those individuals qualify. So that's a hundred and whatever, it's 25. So, and then let's say, you know, half of those individuals had, I know I'm doing math, right? (laughs) But if you basically are getting down to 75 or eighty million.
3: <laughs> I have lost that but just consider that that pool of people will consider will conclude people who, in the past, did not get refunds. They paid the IR money, and that's about 30% of taxpayers. Of those who got refunds, about 20% had the money going directly into their bank account. Now, many of those people hopefully have gone onto the IRS website, fought all of the challenges of getting into the portal, and put in their bank information so that the money could get to them directly. If they haven't done that before the money has been processed and the money, the check had already been determined, then they may still have to wait until the check comes. Another issue that's come up has been that many people, especially lower income people, have gone to preparers in the past. And rather than paying the preparers up front, the preparer sets up a temporary bank account. The refund from the IRS gets deposited into that bank account. The preparer takes out his fees, and then the money is distributed to the taxpayer. But that temporary account is now closed. Well, the IRS has, in many cases, been sending the refunds to those temporary accounts. And typically what happens is the money bounces back to the IRS, and then it's sent to the people by checks. The good news is, if there's any good news, is that when these checks are getting sent out, they supposed to be going out in the order that those with lower income get it first.
0: Well, we're going to take a little break. And then when we get back, I, I hope we can keep you for one more segment because we have many more questions. And we just want some more great one-liners from Janet Holzblad. Uh, we'll be right back with more Drop the Subject.
2: Drop the subject, the new channel Q.
0: Welcome back to Drop the Subject. This is Allie and James, and we are on with Janet Holdsplat right now, a senior fellow at the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. Got many, many years of experience when it comes to taxes, uh, you know, how the federal government works, because let's face it, none of us seem to really know. And when we're talking about taxes and stimulus checks specifically, and, you know, in the last break, we talked about um, how, some people have not received their checks yet. What about people who are getting checks from relatives who have died? Because that's a whole other thing that a lot of people are receiving stimulus checks from people who have died in the last year and I understand there might be some situations where you can keep that money but then the treasury is saying they want it back let's kind of
3: go through the nuts and bolts of that well my answer yesterday would be different than my answer today because running the IRS issued new guidance on what to do but I'm not quite sure that guidance is any less confusing than what we knew before. What the guidance says today is that if you received money for one of your loved ones who passed on recently, you're supposed to return the money to the IRS. The catch is that what the IRS said is, if a person dies before receiving the money, then the money goes back to the IRS. So let's take two individuals who both died on April 15th. Now, Calvin received his money through direct deposit on April 14th. So he got the money before he died. If I read the guidance on the IRS website literally today, that means that his family gets to keep it because he received it before he died. But uh, Lou was getting his money as a check. And it wasn't coming till May because he died before he received his payment. Then it sounds to me like his family will have to return the check. So they both died the same day, sadly. In one case, the family gets to keep the money. In the other case, they don't. So if you return, you get the money, then they have instructions on how to return it. And it differs depending on whether you have cashed it in yet. That's today's story. I would still wait 36 hours or more and see if by tomorrow evening that's changed. We will get <laughs> some, you know, this... <laughs> As a tax nerd, I looked at the inequity in terms of what happens in terms of you die today, you die, you know, when you receive the check. But I think the way I'm reading language, if people died in 2020, and if sadly they died of the coronavirus, then the IRS is asking for their family to return the money. I don't think that's going to be the kind of image that they'll want to project. So
1: many individuals
3: now are in sort of questionable
1: working status and they're maybe they're kind of half furloughed or they've picked up a part time job or they're doing this or whatever, or they're not working unfortunately or they're ill. And we, we got an extension to July 15th, just for that old filing de- deadline. Do you see that changing? Do you see that deadline being extended again, or there being some sort of certain circumstances where if you can prove that you are furloughed, you have extra time, or you get this credit? or
3: These kinds of things, I can't say. I would suspect that it will not be moved. The IRS, the money needs to come in at some point. But there are ways of working on arrangements with the IRS to delay your payments.
0: There was another story I read where one person had a question about getting divorced within the last year. Oh, last year I filed jointly with my husband and we wouldn't wouldn't have qualified because my husband made X amount of dollars. But now that we've divorced, I'm a single mom. Do I get a stimulus check? What happens in those situations? Is she SOL? Is she what? Is she SOL? Uh, is she S out of
3: luck? Okay. Thank you very much for that transfer. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Now, this is sort of an interesting aspect is that the payment you're getting now is based on the last tax to you filed. So it's based right now on, say, your 2019 year 2018. So given that in that situation they were married, the combined income was too high, she won't get a check now. But when she goes to file her 2020 tax return, and let's say that the divorce was all final in 2019, when she goes to file her 2020 tax return, next year, she will then be able to get the money. In most cases, if your circumstances change during this year, and they change favorably towards you, you'll be able to get the additional money. So if you had a kid this year, then you'll be able to get the additional $500 when you file your return next year.
0: Hmm. Well, I hate to say we're running out of time with you, Janet, but we'd love to have you on at another time or a little more regularly. Uh, People can follow you, I assume, are you on social media? Or are you just making the rounds at the next tax CPA open mic? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: They kicked me out of improv, so that doesn't work (laughs) anymore. But I am creeping my way into social media. I'm getting perhaps more comfortable with that. So... OK, <laughs> all so, right. So
1: stand by. So, so do I
3: do my blog so you can check my blogs out at the Tax Policy Center's website.
0: OK, so. great. Okay. Janet Holdsblatt, a senior fellow at the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. We will see you and your turtleneck another time soon.
3: All right. Thank you very much.
2: Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
0: I'm getting on Chris Contreras' bad side. He has tweeted at us at DTS show. And so the more I listen, I'm realizing that Kevin Klein was not the bully um, up in San Francisco on Kevin <laughs> Klein Live. It was Allie all along. <laughs> Kevin was probably peer pressured into joining in on the bullying. Allie is definitely abusive of her producer.
1: Oh, oh, my. I wonder what this is specifically about, Chris, because there are multiple opportunities that we both have to um, gently, caressingly, lovingly nudge Jesse in the Mm -hmm. right direction, which is the only thing we ever do.
0: Yeah, you have no idea what it's like on our side of the map. All right. And if Jesse James is one of the nicest people on this entire planet. And if he is giving Jesse a hard time, then I, I mean, that's all I really need to say.
1: Uh-huh, just saying.
0: Let's get into Gay Cray Cray because it is Thursday and we're running way behind. We got way caught up talking to Janet. We're also going to talk to but hack far in the next hour. So we've got a lot going on, but we cannot get through a Thursday without giving you Gay Gay Cray Cray. And I will reveal the story of a couple who is doing something unconventional. I'll give you as many details as I can without revealing the genders or the names involved. And you guess whether they are a gay gay couple or a regular hetero cray cray couple. In this case, this story begins with. Where many relationships go to die. Reddit.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that's rough.
0: Somebody has brought a question to the table. This person is upset that their significant other is still sleeping with stuffed animals. Mm. This has been an ongoing problem in their relationship. And this is what the person wrote on Reddit they said they have a significant other who cannot part with their stuffed animal. They are 27, the partner's 27 years old and started, quote, reparenting themselves as a therapeutic method to overcome a bad childhood. Uh, And the person claims that their parents stole their childhood. So consequently, the person has regressed into childhood to make up for the lost time and has begun engaging in what, the writer is referring to as childish behavior in terms of sleeping with a stuffed animal every night. And mm. I would imagine there are some other childlike things as well. I don't know if they're going into like baby diaper territory, but it seems. I mean, cause that's,
1: that's a big, di- is it just sleeping with your pet, your pet, your uh, stuffed animal or like full on baby mode? Because that's a big difference.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm. Let's see, I'm reading along here, and while the pursuit of her being and beep, uh.
1: <laughs> like, are they goo goo ing during sex? Are they wearing diapers? Are they like drinking from a bottle? Like,
0: okay, you know, examples. The, this is a very long post, so it's hard to sift through. They said it is Reddit. They said they bought a stuffed animal and started sleeping with it and reading bedtime stories and a range of childish odd behavior tried explaining that reparenting yourself is more of a mental thing and not actually regressing physically into a childlike state, but they said they're aware of that and, and that it, this doing these physical childlike behaviors are still helping. Last week, this person ordered yet another stuffed animal, and the person said, I straight up told them that their behavior is scaring me a little bit and that they mm. need to probably stop this. They got visibly upset, Felt bad, and then the person who wrote this felt bad about it later. After that, the incident, uh, they put their stuffed animals in a box in a basement, but has been acting cold and distant toward... this writer and saying that I'm the a-hole so this whole discussion happened of whether Uh or not the person's the a-hole for telling them to stop sleeping with a stuffed animal it raises a lot of questions personally for me I still sleep with a blankie and my wife sucks her thumb so we're kind of on the same page there but that's not the question (laughs) at hand we are gay gay and cray cray what are these people gay gay or cray cray
1: I, I really feel like that There, this is really difficult. Also, that's not the way to handle it. Maybe just like removing all of the stuffed animals. Maybe you just like pick your one or two and that's it, right? And then I can be your stuffed animal. Like, Aww, whatever. I feel like there's other ways to handle animal. this. But, right. I am not the therapist. We'll save this for Dr. Jen. Um, gay, gay, or cray-cray, I 100% I'm convinced that this couple is just plain old cray-cray.
0: you're convinced that they're plain old cray cray?
1: Plain old cray cray. They are straight, straight cray cray. You
0: are absolutely right. It is Reddit. The guy is Reddit. the one who is writing to one of his subreddits, and he is upset that his girlfriend is uh, is sleeping with stuffed animals while she reparents I'm herself. I know, her. poor little girl. And I, as somebody who was obsessed with stuffed animals as a kid, sometimes they can make. Uh, well, I, th- I think I'm gonna get into a territory Should that's probably not FCC yeah, friendly. Let's, um, I'm just saying they have up, multiple right. uses. You know what I mean?
1: They, oh, let's just say okay. Ali,
2: Drop the subject. The new channel Q.
0: Drop the subject with Ali and James Simmons. And I don't know if you have previously heard of the name Ahmad Arbery before now, but some people were already talking about this in February when this incident occurred. And some, I believe it's cell phone vo- footage has just been released this week. And we wanted to talk about this because it needs to be talked about. It's absolutely maddening and outrageous and and horrifying that we still need to talk about this. But um, James, I, f- I figured we can kind of go through the information from beginning until what just happened on, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday is when the footage came out. Mm-hmm. This took place in Georgia. And in a nutshell, Ahmad Arbery was jogging in his neighborhood during the day and was I mean, in all, for all intents and purposes, gummed down by two men who were responding to, like, I think they thought that he was, uh, there, there were a string of robberies taking place in that right. area. Right.
1: Yeah. So the, yeah, there were a string of robberies in the area and there were two gentlemen who are, uh, father and son Gregory and Travis McMichael uh, who they' they've been identified as suspects in this incident report but there have been no arrests made at all from this killing that happened in February, by the way. So n- no arrests whatsoever, even though these gentlemen are already known suspects. The reason why, like you said, Ali, this has become sort of a, a, a hot topic right now is A, the horrendous nature of it, and B, that are new leaked cell phone footage, What you see in this footage, and I won't describe it uh, entirely because it's, it's pretty sensitive, um, but you see someone driving in a truck holding a cell phone camera outside of the truck that is approaching another truck, where there's someone standing in the bed in the back, and someone who is then standing at the driver's side door, you see Ahmad Arbery run by, and then run off camera, and then you hear gunfire. Then cool, great. <laughs> you see the one of the people from the truck run off camera to the direction that Ahmad Arbery is, and then you see them in a con- in a uh, sort of a scuffle, and then you hear more gunfire, and then Ahmad Arbery drops to the ground. So this this cell phone footage was was just released, and what's interesting about th- this really is that, A, why have there been no arrests made at all when we now even have cell phone footage of this? But there doesn't seem to be any sort of inciting incident that caused two, and unfortunately race is playing a, a, pick, a role in this, two white men to just start shooting at a black man who was just on an exercise run.
0: No, this is, this is a hate crime in, in my opinion. I, there is no, I mean, this guy is going for a run in, I would assume his neighborhood during Uh the day, during the day. He's obviously not armed. He's obviously not posing a threat. Two people had made a decision. They pulled up in a car. They were armed already. And premeditated i mean i have not seen this this the video footage but it doesn't seem to me from what i know about this this incident that there was even enough time for for Ahmad to even defend himself or like it was very quick it seems that the decision was made that to end this man's life this young man's life 25 years old and this is this clear-cut Murder, cold-blooded murder, as I've seen, and you know these these things happen where it's like, oh well, you know, where wh- did they have a gun? What were they reaching for? And the th- all these things, stuff. right? All right. those things that they try and bring to the table, as in, oh yeah, no, it was self-defense. You know, when it comes to these police shootings and, and it, shootings in general, when it comes to black and brown people. There is none of that in this. It's yep. like that you literally have nothing. So I don't understand why, especially after this footage has come to the surface, why this, why these people would not be charged or even arrested.
1: Yep. I, I, I they have not
0: even been arrested.
1: They haven't even been arrested. Well, Tom Durden, the district attorney of Georgia's Atlantic Judicial Court, did say in a statement, this is uh, from Time magazine, um, that after careful review of the evidence prevent, presented, I'm confident the case should be presented to the grand jury of Glynn County for consideration of cr- criminal charges. couple of things with that, though. Uh, because of COVID-19, no grand juries are being held in Glynn County, Georgia until June 12th. Also, there have been a delay in a filing of police reports and a police investigation into this because, are you ready? No. Uh, Someone named George Barnhill had been formally assigned to examine the case. Told the police that the men who chased Arbery, because they were apparently trying to do a citizen's arrest, were acting in accordance with Georgia's self-defense and citizen's oh, arrest statutes. But then Barnhill later recused himself from the case because his son had previously worked with one of the suspects, Gregory McMichael, the older of the two, the father. Also...
0: I love I can't even believe there's an also. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Gregory
1: McMichael used to work with the local police department in a consultative <laughs> capacity. So there's been a delay from the local police department because there are massive conflicts of interest.
0: I mean, the fact I mean the, the the first I know we have to go, but the first thing you said like, I don't care. The Red tape does not matter in this situation. Pa- I don't care about paperwork. Yep. I don't care about what we're not able to do because of coronavirus. In this sense, if somebody gets murdered, you uh-huh. arrest the person who is who murdered sure. that person. I'm sorry. Sure. It doesn't wear a mask, do whatever you have to do, but you can't just not arrest people when they're committing murder. Because like, there that's can't not, be a
1: grand jury because it's being held until July Yes, 12. like now, figure
0: now it out.
1: Now that you have cell phone footage, like, you know, the next question is, what are they going to do?
0: Yeah, what are you going to do now? And this is all blatant. It's I mean, what you're explaining is just blatant racism and blatant favoring mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of the white elite and it's it's unbelievable and that's just in in everyone's face. Just there it is. No yep. excuses, no gray area. It's completely in your face and we'll see what happens next, but um ugh, all right.
2: Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
0: Welcome back. It's Drop the Subject with Allie Johnson and guest hosting with me is James Simmons. And we wanted to get David hackam Far from Pride Legal back on to discuss some of the new federal rules that have been applied to Title IX. Title IX, I believe, went into uh, some of these guidelines took place in the Obama era in regard to sexual assault and harassment uh, reports that are being made in college. And this is going to kind of change the way that colleges deal with sexual assault reports and harassment reports. So we kind of wanted to go over some of the nuts and bolts of the changes that were made uh, from Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. So, David Hackampar, welcome back as always. And we thought we'd just dive right in with what's changing and why.
5: Good morning. All right. Thank you for having me on. Um, so Title IX, Title X, as some of you may read, it's a federal <laughs> law that came in uh, 1972 that basically ensured gender equity for students attending schools receiving federal funding. It's evolved over the years as institutions have recognized the importance of applying the law in a way that makes sure Every student has access to an education free from sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and dating violence. Now, in 2011, President Obama issued guidelines on the school's legal obligations in addressing sexual violence. In a 19-page document, which is often referred to as the Dear Colleague Letter, in the Obama guidance, it stated that college officials should use a preponderance of the evidence standard to determine guilt and sexual misconduct complaints.
0: Preponderance, explain. <laughs> it's too many syllables for me. <laughs>
1: it's an overwhelming, like you just
5: got, you got all the okay, evidence. you gotta like, have lots like of evidence. I got you. Okay, yeah. got it. It's, it's pretty much the lowest burden of proof that's out there when you study. You got preponderance of the evidence, clear and convincing, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt and certainty. Got it. So mm, it's pretty low okay. down there. Now, based on that dear colleague letter, an explosion of civil lawsuits filed mostly by male students accused of sexual misconduct. They were alleging their rights were violated by unfair Title IX procedures at their colleges. Now, these new regulations will instead allow Title IX officials at colleges to use either a preponderance of the evidence or clear and convincing standard, uh, which sets a higher burden of proof. Now, the Mm -hmm. only question is, is this favorable to all students?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, some of the some of the changes that are, are coming in particular with this. You know, some, some are saying this is long overdue because individuals who have been con- accused are not getting their fair rights, their due process with this, while survivors advocates are saying that these new rules are bad. And there's sort of a throwback to the days when sexual assault was sort of seldom reported or punished. Um, and that, you know, the schools are then on a third level sort of protesting this because they're like, we can't implement this by summer, by the way. Oh, by the way, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, the schools are like, hold on, you're literally changing something that's been in place for eight or nine years. And you want us to do this at the drop of a hat. A couple of the things that have changed with this, you know, the the most significant changes are regulations aimed at beefing up protections for accused students, which people plus, need that's their in the plus due process. Corner. Right. So but in doing that, it mandates live hearings by adjudicators who are neither the Title IX coordinator nor the investigator. So there's live hearings. Which I think then victims' rights advocates, you know, are, are saying that like live hearings are are really difficult for a lot of, of victims, that it's impossible for them to come forward. And then there's also real time cross examination of each student by the other student's lawyer or representative. Again, a situation where you are, you're, you're following due process, which I think is really super important. Um, but at the same time that, you know, victims advocates are saying like, you're, you're taking victims who have already been through so much trauma and who maybe have, it's taken every single ounce of their will to even come forward. And then now you're going to have them cross examined by someone who is potentially a lawyer and can throw those fancy words
5: around like preponderance alley. And, and it's a live hearing, you know? I mean, God forbid that anyone has to be a, a victim of sexual violence um, and have to go through that and, you know, be re-traumatized with having to go through all the process of doing this again. But we can't, we have to be careful and we have to ask, do we want to create a special class of victim um, where there are lower standards? Um, you know, we have to always remember the maximum. It's better to let 100 guilty people go, three, go free than have one innocent person go to jail.
0: See, I I, I disagree in the sense of I, I understand that from a legal standpoint, it's, it's a tough sell. But I, I think when it comes to victims of sexual assault, these are usually situations where there are not other witnesses. I mean, it's it's usually an incident that happens behind closed doors with two people and it's one person's word against another and if there's if there's okay well you have to go in uh, on on in a, a live hearing you have to confront your accuser you're going to say what happened which is reliving that that trauma and then also to have somebody else negate that experience and say no that didn't happen and have the court go well we have no proof you can go now why would anybody speak up about what happened to them when that is the process? I understand needing proof to 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 convict somebody, but on the other hand, it, it ends up being one person's word against another, and then there are more... I mean, that doesn't necessarily... It's, it's like a slap on the wrist for somebody to have to go to a hearing, and then you're like, poof, all right. So if somebody is guilty, it's not... It's not... <laughs> I just don't think there's enough there to actually give people the the punishment that they deserve
1: also just to add on to that like what where are we with this like what is this definition of of clear and convincing evidence no
0: i i you're right i think we should kind of get into that let's take a break and let's come back i want to uh to continue this conversation because there's a lot of layers to this um drop the subject we'll be right back with david hackham far from pride legal
2: drop the subject the new channel q
1: Welcome back to Drop the Subject. James Simmons, guest co-hosting with Allie Johnson. David Hackamfarr from Pride Legal is still here with us because, man, we have a, a, a pretty interesting conversation. Lots of layers here, lots of complexities. It's it's not the easiest thing. We're we're reviewing sort of the changes to Title IX regulations in terms of, of this. This burden of proof, if you will, that individuals need to to, to uh, have if they're accusing someone of sexual assault, particularly in an, an, an educational environment, so like on college campuses, and we're we're sort of discussing the difference between a preponderance of truth and and what is like clear and concise. I'm uh, sorry, clear and concise, <laughs> not me right now. <laughs> yes. Clear and convincing. <laughs> 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 clear, clear and convincing uh, evidence. What is this new definition of clear and concise? I think that's where I sort of land with this is that there's, so this preponderance of evidence you're saying, David, is sort of like the lowest level of evidence. I got that wrong earlier, but, but so now you have clear and concise. Clear and convincing. I, clear and convincing. Mm-hmm. So of the three people in my life who uh, have been sexually assaulted, two of them quite violently, all three of them live. have lived trauma for it none of it was clear and convincing. Right. None of, it it, it, it hardly is. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I guess that's sort of where I get stuck in that. Well, okay. So if now, if this is new, this new burden of proof is clear and, and convincing evidence I, I in things that I've heard and my personal experiences with, with people that I know who I, I love, who have been victims of sexual violence, like I don't know anybody's is clear and convincing. So what does that mean now? You know?
5: Okay. You both make really good points. And I had to look up from Legal Information Institute, the definition, the legal definition of preponderance of, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, preponderance of the evidence um, and uh, clear and conv- the clear and convincing standard. Mm-hmm. So um, Ali, with in your example, your example, I, I completely agree. I can completely see where you're coming from in that situation, but you have also have to look at it from the perspective. If somebody has that knowledge, that they could bring in an accusation that is totally untrue, they could they could ruin somebody's life. Um, and but that's, how often
0: is that happening? I guess we don't know, right? So if, as every twenty women who's speaking up who's being honest, there's one person that's not being honest, does that mean that those twenty women are going to speak up and have nothing happen?
5: I mean, remember the, the Duke U- remember the Duke University case from a few years ago? That was a completely false accusation, and those boys those, those boys' lives were turned upside down. Um, And and I believe the prosecutor was disbarred. I mean, so much happened after that, but uh, their lives were turned upside down in ways that we can't even imagine. Uh, But I want to tell you what a clear and convincing standard is. Clear and convincing standard is considered the medium level of burden of proof, which is a more rigorous standard to meet than the preponderance of the evidence standard. But a less rigorous standard to meet than proving evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, In order to meet the standard and prove something by clear and convincing evidence, the party alleging the contention must prove that the contention is substantially more likely than not that it is true. I think this goes back to though. I I mean, I Mm
1: -hmm. I, I'm such a, like a logical brained person and I, I tend to sort of be like, okay, that's the law, even though I don't always follow it, but where, I guess where I come to here is what this doesn't, and many laws, right? But what this doesn't address is the the overwhelming, anecdotal, if you will, evidence that we just on hold don't believe victims and that we have victims female that continue victims. to come forward, particularly female victims. Right. Thank you, Allie. We just don't. We, we just don't believe women when they tell us this. And yes, that uh, everyone says that, David, and you're right, that Duke – Case was something else, but then look at the Stanford swimmer case, where You'll there was at, at least. It, Is that or,
0: what you're talking right, about? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, or or the hundreds and thousands of times that victims are like, "Well, yeah, I had some alcohol," or "Yeah, whatever was happening," or "Yes, we had had a previous sexual relationship, and then I didn't want a sexual relationship." I mean, all these things that go into this, and then now I just some I would, of which I did have proof, get, James. Some of them did, and it's still. It, what, we're not addressing the societal issue here of the fact that we just don't believe women and we don't believe victims and that it's a, it, and that this is just then making that exacerbating that as far as I'm concerned, even though we do at the same time, live in a place where you in the United States, you're innocent until proven guilty. So I, I think it's, it's an incredible, obviously we're not going to solve it here on the radio today, but it's an incredibly <laughs> difficult conversation. And I, I yeah. do just, I mean, my personal experience with the the three people that I'm so close to that have experienced sexual violence, I just, I can't imagine any of them, if they had to come, come with this, at least, you know, this level of evidence, I don't think they ever would
5: have come forward. Um, I I agree with you, James. And, uh, you know, sexual violence is, 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 is to be taken seriously. And I really appreciate that the, debi- the, the conversation we're having now, because it's been really illuminating for me. Um... What I can say is that victims of sexual violence need to report it right away because there are test kits available. Uh, The sooner that it is reported, the better chances that their case will be uh, handled. And there are more facts that could be discovered. Um, I I don't know if you have any other recommendations for victims of sexual violence that can help their case. Um, if, If there are anything you wanted to say on that.
1: Yeah, there, there definitely are resources out there um, for sure. And I, I, I don't right away, I don't have those in front of me. But I, I will say that that's something as a healthcare provider and as someone who is a mandatory reporter of things like that. I, I will tell you that that it might I tell people to not come to the emergency room a lot. but I will tell you if you have ever been a a victim of sexual violence, actually, that's a really good place to go. You don't know what anything else to do. We can get you counseling. We can do all of the medical things we need to do. We can keep you safe. We can house you. All those things can start from an emergency department. So um, I can at least very much say that, that if you're in that instance, come, come to the emergency department. And David, thank you uh, very much. Uh, Interesting, illuminating conversation as well, right? It's, it's, it's messy and,
0: well, and it, it's it, like it, yeah, it's the issue of bringing something so personal into a courtroom and talking about the legality of it. I mean, those it's like by nature, those two things, it's very hard to just don't to have them. Yeah, they don't go together. <laughs> they just we, don't
5: go together. We, right. we have to talk about this. Yeah. It's good we're talking yeah. about this. It is. And one it more is. thing, it is. James, you made a good segue. Let's give a shout out to all the nurses that are on the front lines. I want to thank all of them and bless up.
0: Yeah. Thanks, David. We appreciate your time. Thank always. Thank you,
5: David. Yeah. Always. Can't wait to do this again. You got it. Be safe. Have a good week.
0: You too. Drop the subject.
2: The new channel Q.
4: Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it.
1: Drop the subject on the new channel Q. All right, it is time for news it or lose at The end of the show, man. We've had some good juicy conversations today so far, but I have got three headlines. allie has got her dinger binger binger clanger. All right, there's there's a little <laughs> dinger dingy bingy binger clanger in there. We don't have
0: time. Just go. <laughs>
1: just go. Ready, run. Okay. Story number one. Huh? I feel like I feel like we need a we need a little good news. Disney parks share a proposed safety protocol for phased reopening.
0: Oh man, those are going to be the longest lines ever. Sure, all new shit. That's it.
1: pretty much exactly what they're saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> headline number two goes back to earlier this week. Grimes claps back at baby daddy Elon Musk for correcting her wild baby name explanation.
0: I did see this. Ugh, I'm going to lose it. OK,
1: basically, just, she's she mm-hmm. like misspells something in a tweet and then yeah, he, and he corrects corrected her. her.
0: He's like and passive aggressive like, a hole on Twitter to her. He's
1: back to the to his literally the woman who just birthed the, a child with him. And she's yeah. like, I am recovering from surgery and barely alive. So forgive my typos. But damn, that was yeah. meant to be profound. And he's like, you're a powerful fairy. No, 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 dude. You're not getting out of this one.
0: If anybody called God. me a powerful fairy, I would break up with them or divorce uh, them immediately.
1: Seriously. You also, by the way are really welcome to not news this one. I really just did it just for me and all of the listeners out there who agree with me. It's not terribly interesting.
0: (laughs) Way to sell it. I can't wait.
1: (laughs) But you should maybe news it anyway, just so I can keep looking at this article. Niall DeMarco would like you to see his new skin-tight, slim-fitting cycling shorts.
0: <laughs> no! <laughs> no, I am losing it, James. Yes,
1: okay. So, oh, I'm so glad. Ding, ding. Wait, oh, I got a dinger here. Hold on here.
0: Oh, oh. you lose it?
1: Okay, that's great. No, I didn't. So, basically, <laughs> you can't even...
0: Ugh, all Niall right.
1: DeMarco is um, in his Hot. apartment. <laughs> with his cycling shirt on but like unzipped halfway down his chest. Okay. And so his like hair is like coming out over the top and he's clearly just worked out and he hasn't he's got a little like coronavirus quarantine beard thing going on and then he's like look at my new cycling shoy- shorts. They're kind of shoy- tight <laughs> shorts. I can't even talk because um N- nail demarco's in tight biking shorts and I I'm
0: He's the death model, right?
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I will give you that he's a hottie.
1: <laughs> oh, my Lord in heaven. And he's been posting workout videos during quarantine, like Great. with the shirt off. I can't. I can't. Like I'm all about He's one person's it. workout videos I will actually watch. Okay, so a little bit of good news. The Happiest Place on Earth is going to feel like a completely different place, unfortunately, when they finally open in the United States. Now, Shanghai Disneyland could be opening as early as May 11th, which is very interesting. Now they closed in January. Disney parks, in the United States, there's still not a timeline for, but they are starting to have conversations and they're actually having conversations directly with the CDC to try to figure out the best way to do this. Likely they're going to do it very similarly to how the rest of the country is. So it's going to be phased. Phase one is going to include, of course, at least six feet of physical distancing. They're going to tape off things in lines. They're going to adjust lines. They're going to move all the chains and things around so that people are not standing right next to each other. And they will only operate at 50% capacity for wow. probably probably several months. And oh then my God. depending on what happens with the country and has cases spiking and all that kind of stuff, they will potentially move on to phase two, which will be the same thing, but bumped up to 75% capacity. Neither still with a full employee base. So those hundred thousand people that got laid off from from Disney parks and Disney all over globally, like they're still only talking about maybe half of them getting their jobs back. So,
0: wow, I mean, it's, so Goofy's it's pretty, still out of work.
1: Yep, it's a lot of people still out of work, but at least we're kind of talking about maybe the happiest place on earth opening back up is kind of fun.
0: Wow. I mean, it's I mean, with 50 percent capacity, it might be a little happier. But then you you have to think about the other people that are that are in line with you and what kind of I mean, Disney people, when you're smashed up against each other, you're like, oh, God. And even in a six foot distance situation, that still doesn't seem like the happiest place on earth to me. But we'll see. The jury's out and happy endings are next drop the subject
2: the new channel q
0: well i know yesterday we I, we do have to go and unfortunately the show is drawing to a close but wanted to quickly say that we got a, a lot of responses on whether or not you ate dirt as a kid this was a conversation mm-hmm. we had on the air yesterday mm-hmm. james said that he was eating dirt when he was 8 years old growing up mm-hmm. in nebraska i was like yeah i don't think i ever ate dirt so we posed the question to you guys and someone like low rent X said once out of curiosity, but I didn't like it. Uh, Vivi cheese says I used to pretend it was cream. <laughs> so they put it in their coffee. <laughs> Water okay. baby 1020 said yeah absolutely Shelby no that's gross and then get up cow said not on purpose but i mean it seems that there are, this is quite a polarizing topic i think it, there are a lot is. more people out there that ate dirt as a child that i did not realize
1: i think there are a lot more people out there as well including the kids that i grew up with that ate dirt not all of them but they, they did. i mean it's not like you sat down and had a smorgasbord of dirt like you just would eat a little dirt now and then like <laughs> you you fall off your bike and you're like I'm and just so, gonna lick, lick the ground. Just, like, <laughs> okay. All right. And then you get back up on your bike, you know? <laughs> what?
0: And you and your friends all did this? Lick the bike before I mean, getting not up? Not
1: intentionally. Like, we didn't <laughs> fall off our bikes on purpose. But, you know, when you're a kid, you're rambunctious. You're trying to do tricks. You think you're like a next BMX star. You like fall and bust your head open and your knee, and you're like, ow. And you're laying on the ground and you're like, maybe I'll just. So,
0: <laughs> so you're on the ground you're falling off your bike your knees bleeding and all you can think is to look at the ground and go "Hmm."
1: I think I'm mm-hmm. take so anyway i'm doing this event tonight ali that is really fantastic okay yeah and so let's <laughs> talk about the event i'm sorry <laughs> we're not um and yeah, actually it's really awesome tinyurl.com slash a-p-a-i-t mental health yes Laverne please watch Cox. Margaret Cho, Council Member Mitch O'Farrell from here in Los Angeles, and the Reverend Valerie Spencer, who is a staff member. We do lots of really amazing, wonderful things for the LGBTQ community. Tonight, we're talking about mental wellness on a Zoom, and we've got 11 billion people who can watch, or I think 500. So if you are interested, sign up. It should be a super fun conversation.
0: Yeah, I think there's only a few slots left. So get in on it, because it's going to be an incredible conversation. And let's face it, we all need to be talking about mental health right now. And it's especially great for you to moderate and to hear hear from people like Oliver and Cox and Margaret Cho and all the others. It's a great panel and it should be a really, really interesting chat. And um, so definitely tune into that tonight and we will be back tomorrow. But before we get out of here, officially, we must give you our happy endings.
1: Dun, da, 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 a lot da, of infuriating
0: da. things going on in this world, but it's important know, that we at least try.
1: We, we have to try. And listen, you know, parks and... Trails and things like that may be reopening in California tomorrow, and that might lead to a spike in cases of COVID-19, Allie. No. But at least now I can put on my mask and my helmet and get on my bike and grab my hand sanitizer and then ride and go in my bike shorts to find where where Niall DeMarco is oh, okay. in, in, in his, right. in his is that, bike shorts. That, I don't know in, if Chris would approve go. of
0: that, James. No, I don't I think, think you're probably, getting on your no. bike just so you can go to his bike house and look at his really bike tight. shorts.
1: No, I need the exercise, Allie. I need I need the exercise. I need to get out and go Yeah, ride whatever. Over. You're just going
0: to do it for the yeah. points and for Niall DeMarco's ass, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah, That's fine. Much. You can have those pretty ulterior motives. Much. My happy ending is <laughs> Trump may be trying to mine on the moon, but if i have learned anything from wallace and gromit the moon is made of cheese (laughs) so he actually might be mining for the best food known to man and the world might actually be in luck if we're finding more cheese and entering it into the earth i also bet vegans will eat the cheese because no one was harmed in the making of said cheese
1: Oh, very good! Look yeah. at that. Mm-hmm. That's this excellent, a multi-layered happy ending. If you One will. of the
0: weirdest happy endings ever. But <laughs> if the moon's made of cheese, at least that's the only silver lining I can think of for for Donald Trump mining on the moon. Yeah, All right, we will we see you. If you miss anything, definitely download the podcast. We had some great conversations today with David Hackenfar and uh, Janet Holdsblatt, who is our new best friend. She might even be replacing ever. me tomorrow. I don't know. Seriously. So we'll see you. We'll see you when we see you. Bye bye.
2: On the next on the next. Drop the subject.
1: Up next, states are starting to reopen. No! Allie, Allie, it's okay. You have a mask on. You can come out. Come out. okay well it seems like there's a lot to go over here so we'll chat with dr jen man about the anxiety around getting back into the world come come on ellie here you go here's some cat videos Ooh, really that's right come come on out play play with the (laughs) g-string
2: come on come on drop the subject 10 a.m to 2 p.m pacific 1 to 4 eastern on channel q